This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Bernie Sanders wins New Hampshire. They can't steal it this time, although they're going to try to uh, deflate what this actually means. Already you heard the takes heading into the primary that... Well, if Bernie doesn't get 60% of the vote, he loses. And people saying Amy Klobuchar getting third place is actually more impressive than a Bernie first place. But look, Bernie won New Hampshire. Bernie won Iowa. It's two for two, folks. Before we go any further on this, I just got to put my hand up and say I was wrong. I thought that there would be a substantial Bloomberg write-in effort last night, considering how he's flooded the airwaves. You got 1%. Got 1%, not really enough to... Uh, Assuming all the write-ins were for, for Bloomberg and <laughs> given... Some, some given, of them may be for Hillary. <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the voters that were interviewed on cable news who were like, oh, I made up my mind walking across the street or uh, I did eeny, meeny, miny, mo in the voter box. I just cringed at. Obviously, if you're doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo in the, in the voter room while you're voting and mo lands on Amy Klobuchar you then kick into my mother pick to said to pick the very the best one and you are not, and if not, it, not 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 basically it, Bernie Sanders yes you have the ability to keep doing variations until you land on Bernie Sanders so I would advise people planning to eeny miny eeny meeny fuck I can't even say this anymore <laughs> I feel like this was easier to say as a kid than as an adult but eeny meeny miny mow it just keep going till you land on Sanders. Bernie did not win by as much as I thought he would or as much as I hoped he would, but I, th- I think he had a uh, formidable performance, and he's still odds-on favorite to win the nomination. So I think it's important to not get too discouraged, and Bernie is truly building a multiracial, multigenerational class coalition focused on a lot on the working class, mostly on the working class. And you look across the board right now, and it's it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good for a man. I know we're already seeing some scummy stuff in Nevada. We've seen the Culinary Union come out against uh, Medicare for All, hawking the shitty centrist line of single payer actually takes away your hard negotiated health care benefits as if it wouldn't help labor unions to not even have those be an issue. Mm-hmm. And not have to worry about losing your health care if your boss fucking fires you, which they can do all the time and come up for excuses. Be- even if you are engaging in protected concerted activity, they will fucking fire you for some union shit. And you'll ha- you will have rights, but you'll have no recourse. So anyway, I'm just ranting here. The culinary union tied to Harry Reid and that machine too. So uh, one can only assume this is part of an establishment uh, centrist attempt to fuck Bernie as they as they always are. Look, there's going to be a persistent attempt to fuck Bernie for the next several months. It's already happened in Iowa. You see it. We have a week and a half until until Nevada here. And for the next week and a half on all the news channels, it's going to show Buttigieg, boot edge edge with the rat man with the delegate lead on Bernie Sanders, despite the fact that Bernie Sanders won by 6,000 votes in Iowa, 
won by a couple thousand votes in New Hampshire. I think in total he's gotten 10,000 more votes than Pete Buttigieg. Based on the stupid way that the Democrats award delegates, at the very least it should be even. At the very least it should be even. Yet Buttigieg has a delegate lead strictly because, strictly because of the irregularities coming out of Iowa. And I say irregularities sarcastically because we all know what really happened in Iowa. They stole the election. They fudged the numbers. And Buttigieg delegate number was inflated while Bernie Sanders was deflated. This has been documented. This has been written about. The campaigns have officially lodged these issues with the Iowa Democratic Party. Yet the news agencies, which are filled with journalists who... I don't know, it's their job to go and figure out what the hell happened here, are completely incurious and are just running with the number that, hey, Pete Buttigieg is winning. Nothing we can, until we figure it out, and we're not even going to try to figure it out, Buttigieg is the delegate leader. I'm not sure the culinary union's efforts to undermine Bernie in Nevada are even going to have an impact because Bernie has been crushing it uh, among uh, Latino voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, and... This is why it was close in these two states, because they're white as hell. Yeah. They're white as me and Sam. Yeah. And Bernie. Whiter. <laughs> the, the, Bernie bro myth, the Bernie bro myth is just that. It's a myth. The white Bernie bro. Uh, it's not borne out in the data, folks. So I'm hoping we're going to see some good results c- going into Nevada and South Carolina. And uh, shame on the culinary union for, for pulling that kiss-ass business unionism shit and trying to undermine solidarity. And, uh, of course, Pete Buttigieg jumped on that and tweeted about that and also tweeted it in Spanish (laughs) with his Peggy Hill-ass Spanish. For uh, for, for the record, my uh, mom's side of the family is Italian, so they're definitely whiter than me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I too would have liked to have seen Bernie do uh, a little bit better, run away with it a little bit more in New Hampshire. But hey, it could be worse. He could be the Biden or Elizabeth Warren campaign. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Who got single digits, no delegates from, uh, for either of them. Elizabeth Warren going to the, an important state just north of her home state and just getting embarrassed by Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> and this comes... Days after <laughs> Warren has been trying to hitch her wagon to Amy Klobuchar, yeah. she's giving Amy Klobuchar all these shout outs in debates and an, and on stage and stuff because her mind is warped by Hillary Clinton revanchists who want her to do that gender essentialism and say, oh, you know what? Who cares if Amy Klobuchar fucking physically assaults her own workers? She's a girl boss. You should stand up for her. If I gave money to Elizabeth Warren because I was impressed by her progressive plans. Oh, Warren's got a plan for that. Healthcare, she's got a plan for that. Uh, Public education, she's got a plan for that. Uh, Selling out to a right-wing candidate, Amy Klobuchar, and boosting her. Not selling her out, but... She's got a plan for that. She's got a plan for that. And, like, just just thinking about the discourse over, over Warren's plans and how how her plans in the primary have panned out and how she's now boosting Klobuchar. It's a disgrace. It's a fucking disgrace. I'm sorry. I know you don't agree with me. What do you, mean I I don't, think, what do you mean I don't agree with you? you don't it agree is a disgrace. No, no, no. Let me finish. Oh. 
you don't agree with me, but I'm, I'm starting to get on the berate Warren supporters train <laughs> because I don't know what else to, 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 to think about this. I mean, uh, look, as I've said repeatedly, I have no problem with people settling scores online, <laughs> which is fundamentally what this is about. <laughs> At one point, I felt like this was more damaging because Warren probably had a lot of people in her support base that would also support Bernie. But since she hitched her wagon to Amy Klobuchar, I think she, and her watched her numbers plummet. I think that most of that progressive support is already spun off back to Bernie. Most of it, but n- so, not enough. <laughs> well, you you ranting at them is not going to cause them to go no, to Bernie, no. considering it's probably never worked on you in your life. And, but- well, to be fair, I'm not ranting at them on Twitter, but I also think that a lot of Bernie supporters turned out for Hillary Clinton in 2016 because they didn't want to be the spoiler. And that has changed, obviously, this cycle. Because we we got blamed right. no matter we're, what. We're, she's not a spoiler. She's not even getting delegates. She has run. She's running a skeleton campaign that is going to end in fail, failure. And whether her supporters realize it now or in two weeks, doesn't matter. They're going to realize <laughs> it. That's the truth there. Well, I was I was feeling. But a, by all means, I don't care if you want to <laughs> fucking tweet shit at Warren supporters. I, do it. I, I was feeling a little bit better about um, burnt the idea of Bernie having to win in a contested convention based on what you were saying and how uh, the 538 projection, like their median projection right now is Bernie falling just short of the delegate majority. Uh, But the next closest person is like Biden and with like a thousand fewer delegates. And it would be really, really hard uh, to rat fuck Bernie then without just completely chopping your own dick off as, as a party. I mean, at some point, and there were a lot of concerns. A lot of people online have been very concerned for months about Warren's campaign fucking over Bernie's campaign, splitting delegates, causing a contested convention where they're going to steal it from Bernie. I think it's pretty clear that Bernie's campaign has emerged as the clear candidate for lefties. And Warren's campaign is not going to collect any delegates really to, to cut into Bernie Sanders. And at some point... Warren's campaign, once it has shed off most of her progressive supporters, her staying in the race becomes a detriment to the centrists in the race. If you looked at her collapse in New Hampshire, the polls pre-debate where she was around in the teens, mid-teens, polling around third. Post-debate, she dropped to ninth and all that support went to Klobuchar and Buttigieg. Bernie, Bernie stayed about the same. So, Well, that, that 9% is going to have to go somewhere. Yeah. And uh, anyway. Well, she was at 18%, you know, and that went somewhere. It went to Bernie. <laughs> now, <laughs> I mean, she was, as she dropped to like 12%, her support went to Bernie. And then as she dropped from there to 9%, it's gone to Buttigieg and Klobuchar. I think that last 9% is probably going to get split a lot more evenly among the candidates than her support at her high watermark. Looking forward to the next set of polls, though. I think I think Bernie is going to get that Yang bump. And at some point last night, the uh, the predicted market had Bernie uh, to get the 2020 nomination at 50 cents yes. So if you had bought Bernie at 12 cents yes when the two Sams told you to a few months ago, you'd be quadrupling your money right now. Yeah. And yeah. it's still going to go up. It's still going to go up. Oh, it's back down to 46 cents. But still, still clear, clear favorite here. Clear favorite. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about our boy Bernard. 
and I think the rat will be crushed. We haven't even mentioned the big news of the day. <laughs> Means TV announcing our morning show, our collaboration with Means TV, Means Morning News, premiering in two weeks, two weeks plus one day, uh, Thursday, the 27th of February, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You're going to have to become a Means TV subscriber so that you can watch it. You'll be able to watch it live. And then you'll be able to watch it because it'll just be up there afterwards. I guess VOD, Video On Demand. Since Means TV is going to be like Netflix, you'll just be able to click and watch it. Um, but we're really excited about the show. Uh, I think it's going to be like an hour and a half long. It's going to be a pretty pretty long show. We've got interviews lined up. We're going to do some uh, some packages. Uh, just doing the news. Just, just two dudes doing the news. Two dudes doing the news. Hanging out, doing the news with all you. I'm uh, Hank Newsman. <laughs> Uh, I hope uh, I hope you all tune in and watch. It should be uh, pretty good. Should be pretty good, and we are also not going anywhere over here. District no, Sentinel Radio no. is still going to be cranked out. It's yeah, still going to be cranking it out. So don't nothing don't, changes. Don't Please you keep dare subscribing. Fucking go anywhere. Okay? <laughs> Please keep subscribing okay? on Patreon because I can assure you we are by no means getting rich off this Means TV project. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you all support Means TV, maybe we'll be able to pay rent with our Means TV money. Still theoretically, just floating it out there since we're talking about this is it would be pretty great if uh, a lot of leftist content creators were under one banner that wasn't Patreon and that didn't make you to subscribe to a million different things and you just had, you know, a one-stop shop for that would be nice indeed. leftist content. That would be great. We'll see how things go. You know, we'll see how things go. Please stick around with us. Please stay Subscribed on Patreon. We'll continue having even though this subscriber sucks. <laughs> only content uh, until we tell you to unsubscribe. <laughs> Which, believe right. me, the, the the second we can, the second we can, we will. We will. It's Wednesday, February twelfth, twenty twenty. Here's the news. After Republican senators refused to remove President Trump from office, the clear takeaway was that the powers of the presidency had just greatly expanded. And we're watching the president now exercise those expanded powers. Four prosecutors resigned on Tuesday after higher-ups at the Department of Justice overturned their prosecutorial recommendations for sentencing of Trump buddy Roger Stone, who was convicted last year of obstruction of justice, lying to authorities, and witness tampering. The prosecutors recommended seven to nine years. Trump fumed on Twitter over it. And the next day, a new DOJ filing with the court called for a drastically reduced sentence. That recommendation was made at the behest of Attorney General William Barr, who made it at the behest of our diaper baby authoritarian president. Trump, however, is claiming that he had nothing to do with it even though he telegraphed it on Twitter the night before. And then the following day, the president tweeted, quote, congratulations to Attorney General Bill Barr for taking charge of a case that was totally out of control and perhaps should not have been brought, end quote. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling for a DOJ Inspector General investigation into what happened at the DOJ. More fallout from this burgeoning scandal. The administration pulled the nomination of Jesse Liu, to Undersecretary of Financial Crimes and Terrorism at the Treasury Department, Liu was slated to testify at a confirmation hearing tomorrow. However, before she was nominated, she was working on the prosecution team against Stone. 
The White House clearly trying to prevent senators from being able to ask questions of a relevant witness to more power abuse. Look, I'd say that the president directly meddling in the Department of Justice is just yet another symptom that we are living in a uh, failed state. I had a conversation this morning on Twitter with uh, a couple of couple of dudes, some more dudes, um, former rant line regular uh, macho man Rand Paul's neighbor um, about how, like, if you already accept that America is a failed state, this news is not surprising to you at all. It's it's expected. The uh, politicization of the Justice Department, a massively powerful president being able to uh, let his friends off the hook while going after and trying to prosecute uh, his political enemies. But it is shocking how we're just four years removed from Republicans flipping out that Bill Clinton was on the same plane as Loretta Lynch. And I remember at the time saying that was fucked up. Bill Clinton should not be on Loretta Lynch's plane while the Department of Justice is investigating uh, his wife. That just is kind of fucked up. And now we're at a situation where the president is just ordering the Department of Justice to take it easy on his friends. And we sort of have scandal fatigue and don't really care. But, I mean, the fundamental conceit of Ukraine Gate, if you strip away all the bullshit about Ukraine, which was bullshit was whether or not a president can enlist the help of a foreign government through bribery or other means to release dirt on a political enemy or to aid him in an election against a political enemy. And because it was Joe Biden, none of us give a shit because Joe Biden, let's face it, is a political enemy to the left as well. But Bernie Sanders, as this thing gets clearer and clearer that he's going to be the nominee... Wait until Trump orders the DOJ to investigate Jane Sanders for bank crimes or something, because I can assure you it's going to come. And people who didn't care before are going to care this time uh, that this abuse of power happens. And Bernie Sanders cares. I mean, a lot of people have have tried to frame impeachment as either or either you support the Sanders movement or you support impeachment, which is absurd. Because Bernie himself has been able to synthesize these issues uh, extremely well to show why people should care about both of them and how building the Sanders movement can coexist with trying to hold, as Bernie calls him, the most criminal president in our history accountable. It's really easy. It's really easy. If you're like us and looking for signs that a recession is about to hit, there was an interesting data release from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Always looking for that recession, baby. Yesterday, BLS said job openings were down in December by 364,000 on a monthly basis. We're recession hunters. On, on an annual basis, that's a drop of more than 1 million. In relative terms, that's a yearly decline in job openings by 14.9%. Another data point in Recession Watch, the chair of the Federal Reserve doesn't seem concerned about a new wave of complexity in the financial sector, a somewhat ominous opinion given the coked-out state of the stock market, recent pushes for deregulation, and the role in the 2008 crisis of complex non-bank financial firms like AIG. Anyway, Fed Chair Jay Powell testified again today before Congress, this time before the Senate Banking Committee. Here he is, first with Ohio Democrat Sherrod Brown, asking him what his thoughts are on increased complexity 
and what the Fed should do about it. J.P. Morgan Chase, through a supposedly unaffiliated fund, wants to buy an electric plant in El Paso, also owns a stake in a nuclear power plant. That means that J.P. Morgan Chase <coughs> could likely own a nuclear power plant. The Japanese equivalent of Amazon wants to form an industrial loan company in Utah so it can get the benefits of being a bank without the regulation, and recently voted with other bank regulators to weaken the Volcker rule by reversing protections in the 2013 rule, allowing for more risky and leveraged investments. Are, are we going in the right direction? It seems the financial system, again, is getting more complex, more exotic, things people don't understand. Do you, should, shouldn't we be focused on, on simplifying it? Well, we are focused. what we are focused on is maintaining much higher capital, much higher liquidity requirements, stress tests, as you pointed out, that keep the banks on their toes and do address uh, in a timely way the issues of the day, and also resolution planning. So those are the, the big four um, uh, important measures, broadly, that we put into place after the financial crisis, and we're focusing on sustaining those, making them more effective, and, and keeping them strong. So reminder that in October, the IMF said 40% of corporate debt in major economies is at risk of default in the next recession. That's worth some 19 trillion, trillion with a T, trillion dollars. Jay Powell has been pretty sanguine about this developing situation. Can we go back to the company that brought you the subprime mortgage crisis? Now getting into the nuclear business. <laughs> That's uh, perfectly normal and good, and it seems like nothing bad can come of that. Anyway, it's strange that Jay Powell brought up resolution plans because he's plainly ready to bail out banks exposed to this risk or any risk. He just doesn't give a fuck. Today, he renewed his promise to engage in quantitative easing in the re event of a recession. QE, as it's called, is when the Fed buys distressed assets from banks supposedly for the greater good, but really it's just allowing banks to engage in risky activity and giving it a, a handout, a bailout when it fucks up. Anyway, Powell said today he would use QE in a downturn, quote, aggressively. Moving on, the nation's Treasury Secretary, Sex Havin Steve Mnuchin, testified before the Senate today in defense of President Trump's proposed budget. I mentioned impeachment earlier. And if you really want to know why Senate Republicans have stripped themselves of power in subservience of the president, it's because of documents like this, the proposed budget. A lot of this has already been reported. Uh, the massive cuts to Social Security and Medicaid, like the repeal of matching grants to states to expand Medicaid, which will leave millions without health insurance, a 30% cut to SNAP, cuts to other welfare programs like temporary assistance to needy families, which was already a shitty welfare program operating at bare bones, cuts to public housing, cuts across the board to non-defense spending with agencies from the EPA to the Park Service seeing massive spending reductions. Why all these cuts? Well, to pay for tax cuts, of course. The budget proposes making the 2017 tax cuts permanent, something that would blow a $1.4 trillion hole in the budget and we don't really care about the deficit or anything. We just want to make sure that deficit spending is used toward free health care in college instead of allowing Betsy DeVos to get another yacht or Steve Mnuchin to get another sex pad in Fiji or something. The way this is defended, however, is by arguing that tax cuts aren't actually spending because they pay for themselves. Uh... We've heard this argument for decades 
It's never worked. Yet here was Steve Mnuchin making that exact case despite being confronted with a CBO report showing that the 2017 tax cuts actually increased the deficit by $220 billion in 2019. I stand by our comments that the tax cuts will pay for themselves. This will be simple math. So we measure this over 10 years. we got eight years left. Uh, I look forward to writing a committee a letter in eight years going through all the exact numbers. I look forward to writing the committee in eight years when I will no longer be in public service. The classic move right there. Classic the, move. For the record, if, in case anyone doesn't know, we might have young listeners who aren't aware of this history. This entire theory is based on something called the Laffer Curve, which... Hack Reagan economist Art Laffer drew on a fucking cocktail napkin on an airplane. Yeah. And it's now it's now conservative orthodoxy that if you cut taxes, they pay for themselves, even though they've never, ever paid for themselves. And, and I hate to buy your logic it, but by that logic, government spending pays for itself all the time. All the time. But in fact... Stimulus spending is a real thing. It actually... Yeah, because that goes directly into the economy. Tax cuts to the rich go in some fucking offshore account or investments like WeWork. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another uh, main takeaway from Trump's budget. It condemns us to climate death. Check out this exchange between Senator Tom Carper and Steve Mnuchin in which Mnuchin just has... No defense whatsoever for the approach the administration is taking toward the planet. The greatest source of emissions on our planet is our mobile sources, our cars, trucks, and vans. There are ways to use tax policy to encourage people to drive vehicles, including trucks, that are a lot more energy efficient. But the president's budget proposal to prematurely eliminate important clean energy tax incentives would do exactly the opposite. I'll mention a couple of those tax incentives to for people encourage people to buy electric vehicles, tax incentives to encourage people to buy vehicles uh, fueled by hydrogen, which creates as a waste product, CO, creates as a waste product, HO2. Um, tax policy that incentivizes people to buy uh, vehicles powered by natural gas. Instead of proposing tax policies that actually lead to uh, reducing carbon and, and our planet with respect to mobile sources and buildings and so forth. We're getting just the opposite. Why is that? Well, uh, let me just comment because you, you've, you've addressed a lot of different issues. Uh, again, let me just say the president very much supports clean air and clean water and uh, having a clean... You know, he's, he's reduced the administration. I'm sorry, the administration proposed reduce EPA funding by, I think, almost a third. Almost a third, but go ahead. Uh, again, go as it relates to... I think you've addressed a whole bunch of different credits, including electric car credits and, mm -hmm. and, and others. Uh, again, I'd be happy to come and talk to you about the different policies. I don't know what you want me to comment on specifically mm -hmm. uh, on this. It's just, you know, so much stuff in there, just so much really shitty stuff in there. I'm not sure I can specifically comment on any of it, Senator. I can't really comment broadly on it or specifically because there's just so much shit in there. Well, as you'd expect, Tom Carper... Uh, let him off the hook there after the clip ended. Uh, didn't press Mnuchin to offer any better answers. Of course not. They never fucking do. Well, not never, but most of them. 
Finally, the Trump administration is moving forward with its plans to deny visas to poor people, the so-called public charge rule, which the Supreme Court temporarily upheld last month. Today, the Department of State asked the White House for emergency approval in implementing the plans. As the agency noted in today's Federal Register, the administration is looking to apply the rule change by February 24th, 12 days from now, and political appointees at state want to make sure that career people who grant asylum are forced to fall in line with the groiper scum at the Department of Homeland Security. From the actual language used by state, so haters won't say it's photoshopped, quote, the department seeks to align the department's standards with those of the Department of Homeland Security to avoid situations where a consular officer will evaluate an alien's circumstances and conclude that the alien is not likely at any time to become a public charge, only for the Department of Homeland Security to evaluate the same alien when he seeks admission to the United States on the visa issued by the Department of State and find the alien inadmissible on the public charge grounds under the same facts, end of quote. Like many things, Trump era, the public charge rule has an incredibly dark history. It was first implemented by the United States government in 1930 and was used to bar entry to Jews fleeing Nazi terror. Jews weren't allowed by Nazi Germany to bring most of their assets with them, as time noted last October. So many were de facto public charges and granted blanket inadmissibility. Well, on that note... (laughs) We are going to wind down the newscast and read some poetry. All new subscribers on Patreon get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. Just five bucks a month, patreon.com slash district sentinel. In addition to the poetry, you get access to all the bonus content. And today is a great day to sign up because the garbage can nominations open on Thursday. You can submit people that we will then throw in the garbage can on Friday's subscriber only show. So uh, sign up. You help support our little news co-op here in D.C. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. Let's read some haiku. This is for Michael. Just getting started. I'm a Bernie Sanders fan. Hungry like the wolf. Thank you, Michael. This is for Audrey. Heard Pete Buttigieg likes to dip his donuts in cold water. Weird shit. Thank you, Audrey. Weird shit indeed. Yes, milk is too spicy, actually. (laughs) Milk is too spicy for Pete Buttigieg. Coffee, way too spicy. Coffee, yeah. Who dips their donuts in milk? Really can only handle water. (laughs) It's like a... Sorry, I don't mean to go too sidetracked here, but it's like in The Simpsons where Ned Flanders likes a, a plain white bread with a, with a bowl of water on the side for dipping. <laughs> Finally, this is for a shadow knot. People are saying more and more often these days, please drop out, Warren. Thank you, Escatonaut. I think we both may have mispronounced that name. Well, we tried our best. We tried. We tried our best. Thank you for your support. Uh, We've got more haiku to read on tomorrow's show. So if you signed up recently and did not get your poem yet, stay tuned. Thank you, though we really mean it. Thanks for your support. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.